Welcome to the Oracle Podcast, where we talk about the latest news around USF and feature special guests from the community. My name is Leda Alving. I'm Georgelina Manarea. And we're your hosts. Now, let's get started. Hey everyone, it's, you guessed it, Georgelina Manarea, um, your co-host for the Oracle News Podcast and here with you guessed it again, Leda Alvim, our other co-host for the News Oracle podcast. Hello, Leda. And we're back. <laughs> Second episode. Second episode coming back strong. Coming yeah. back strong. We're taking a little bit of a different route for this episode. Last episode, we had Bill McCausland on 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 the the Oracle News podcast, and he was great. He had a lot of, I don't, the view, the listeners couldn't see it, but he had a lot of Beatles, Beatles albums on his walls. So that was fun. But t- this episode, we're going to be talking with Ella Mastery. She's a USF student um, and activist uh, in the Miami area and the Tampa Bay area. Um, over the summer, received a lot of news, a lot of attention for an incident that happened at a protest. She was at... Um, when she was arrested, she was photographed for her mugshot without her hijab on. Um, so she was in the Times, New York Times, CNN. It was a big news story over the summer, but she's also been very active recently and continues to be active. Um, she has an organization called Our Power United uh, for activists, um, very holistic. She mentions in this episode um, mental health focused. So we're very excited to speak with her. Um, Leda, I don't know if you have anything else to add. For sure, Ella is such a key figure in this, um, in the current issues that are happening around the country. She's been to over 49 protests, um, protesting every day, seven days a week. Uh, it's just amazing to see the work that she's been doing and how active she has been so we're really excited to have her in the podcast and just have a great conversation yeah very very inspiring person is look she's our peer she's you, you know our age so it's just it's crazy to see someone my age doing the things that she's doing so yeah well there's one last thing for us to do and that's to actually begin this conversation so let's get right into Okay, so hi everyone. We're here with Ala Masri, a USF student and activist in the Tampa Bay and Miami area. Um, good morning, good afternoon, wherever anybody is while they're listening. Um, we're going to talk to Ala a little bit about her activism and, um, you know, especially over the summer, you've been very active. Um, your organization, Our Power United, all of these things. So we're excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> okay, so first we just wanted to ask, you know, how did you start becoming involved in activism and what's your earliest memory of it? Yeah, so I was always brought up and raised to be super active and kind when it comes to helping others who don't face the same, you know, oppression and injustices that everyone else faces. And so understanding that people come from different backgrounds and have different experiences, it's important to treat everyone with kindness. And I 
that value was instilled within me at a very young age. So I've always just kind of been brought up trying to help others in whatever way I can. What influence did your parents, uh, your household had in your life? Like you mentioned, your child uh, growing up under these values. How important was it for you to have these values? I think the majority of who I am today and my values stem from my childhood and my family household, especially from my father. He always reminded me to help others and do everything that I do with the purest intentions in my heart. And so that's what contributed to who I am today. And I was always taught to be willing to take on the consequences and not the actions of our oppressors and to do that with a smile on my face and kindness in my heart. So even to your enemy, I was taught to smile and just be kind. And I think that's what really motivated me to do everything that I do today. Okay. What, what would you say that drives you the most? What you've been so active in protests around the Tampa Bay area and Miami. What drives you the most to participate, to raise your voice uh, when you see such injustice? I began because I had the complete outrage back in early May, you know, when we all saw the video of George Floyd. And that sparked something in me from my childhood. I grew up in Detroit, and I remember when I was about 10 years old, maybe, or eight years old, I saw two little boys running. And they were little African-American boys. They were about eight years old, 10 years old. And then I saw a cop chasing them and then shot both of them. And so seeing that from such a young age, and then growing up 10 years later and seeing that video of George Floyd, it just struck something in my heart. And it made me realize that it didn't stop just that one time that I saw it when I was a kid. It happens every single day. And, I, and it just broke something in me. And it reminded me that I need to keep pushing so that way my kids and no one else's kids need to face what's been happening in our country for the past 400 years right and i'm i'm so sorry you had to you know see that especially how old were you that's, i think i was about eight years old yeah that's that's a, to say the least a lot um it, so yeah and i can't imagine you know like you said seeing the video of george floyd and that you know kind of bringing back those memories of you know like you said um issues over a period of time that don't just go away um what you know what are your thoughts on the police force especially you know we mentioned george floyd um and you know in terms of reformations that you'd like to see or what you know what do you see as are the key as the key issues that need to be addressed the key issues is the overfunding and the over policing of communities that would much more strive if that money was directed towards community resources, such as mental health centers, such as after school tutoring and activities and sports that specifically target communities that don't need to be over-policed and rather help in a different means. If community service and housing the houseless and feeding those who don't have as much and 
providing those types of mental health resources and after-school activities and tutoring, that's what helps to build a community to thrive. And over-policing is a big issue and overfunding into those systems and institutions that put people in a cycle that doesn't allow us to get out and actually achieve the so-called American dream. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How was your experience um, protesting both in Miami and Tampa Bay? Is there key differences between both places? How was the environment, even like the interaction with the police or just with the groups that you've been going to the protest with? Yeah, so since late May, I've attended about 49 protests. So that's in like the past four months, I would say. And there, I think a big key difference between, you know, protesting now in this day and age compared to, you know, when I used to protest last year or the year before for either climate change or for the March for Our Lives or abolishing ICE, those kinds of things different, like are very, very different than what I see today and what I've experienced lately. The police is so completely brutal and I don't think I've ever experienced that from directly from a police officer. But, you know, being shot at with rubber bullets, being tear gassed, being arrested, being hit with a police car, being beaten up by their batons, like I've experienced all of that within just the first week of protesting in Miami. And all of that just makes you realize the extent to which there's so much that the media and that the real world doesn't see that goes on behind the scenes and behind what the camera chooses to show on the news stations. And so witnessing that and then witnessing what goes on in a jail cell and those kinds of relations that happen between an inmate and a corrections officer or something like that. And seeing that firsthand and experiencing all of that, and I only did that for a day, and I can't imagine what it's like for people who are incarcerated wrongfully for years or months or a lifetime. And so that pushes me to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talked a little bit, you talked about your experience when you were um, eight years old and just that tragic scene. And now with the first week of protesting, how did your perception of the police change over this time frame, especially being that first week, being so like, this reality shock or just, just experiencing all of that? How did your perception change? I think it was a, a pretty big shock seeing the two differences and two sides and being, you know, being a person who's never, who was never experiencing any of this, who's never even seen that that could be reality. I, I never really believed in abolishing the police and I was never so vocal in my, you know, personal beliefs against the systemic issues and the systemic institutions that allow for the racism and the discrimination. You know, I was never vocal about that because I never truly understood the extent to which it happened. And so experiencing it firsthand 
I went from saying, hmm, maybe I don't really like the police so much because, you know, racial profiling and discrimination, which I've experienced firsthand as a Muslim woman, but seeing the degree and the extent to which people hide behind their badge and the power that it so-called has was so mind-boggling that that's actually reality. Right. And, you know, we, uh, I remember, I remember personally over the summer, I saw the petition for what happened to you. I saw the petition circulate. I, you know, there were so many petitions going around and I clicked and I remember them and I saw USF student and it was just, it was shocking to see how, you know, intricate, like these, it, these issues are really close to home um, for the lack of a better phrasing. But, um, you know, that, I think shocked not only me, but everyone else who heard your story. I mean, you were in the Times, um, AP News, uh, uh, it reached a, a lot of big news outlets. How was that experience for you? Yeah, so after I got arrested, it took my sister just about like a week of convincing me to start a petition. And honestly, I remember that night that I finally agreed about a week later. And I was like, I mean, it'll probably get like 500 signatures. I doubt it'll do anything. And then one day it just caught the attention of all these big news outlets, you know, New York Times, CNN and all of that. And like the petition sort of went viral and I was so overwhelmed because I've never been the person who's in the center of attention or in the spotlight or anything like that. And I don't like that. Um, and so all this attention drawn on me and these people calling and my Instagram flooding and my social media is just, it was so overwhelming. I like just turned off my phone for three days. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, it was very overwhelming at, in the beginning and still is to this day. But I think that everything happens for a reason. And what happened to me so that it doesn't happen to others, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I can prevent something even close or similar, anything, you know, like what I went through to never happen again, then I think it was all worth it. And I do it again for that. Wow, that's amazing. And yeah, I like seeing that response and just seeing how social media is blowing up with, those petitions or just spreading the word out for protests or just showcasing what's actually happened when nobody else is seen. Like a video can just show so much and just light up a really big problem that's happening around the communities. How do you think social media is helping spread the word and just organize this movement, like lift it even more to bring more people together? How, what do you think is the importance of it? I think social media, especially in our day and age and within our generation in itself, is of vital importance. And, you know, while social media does have its pros and cons, I think that the pros of it are quite stronger than that of the cons because it allows for awareness to be spread and information to spread rapidly at a rate that has never happened before, you know, garnering 300,000 signatures for my petition from all across the globe that wouldn't have happened without social media and the way that that works and so I think it's vital that we recognize its importance because it helps 
not only unite people, you know, I've made so many virtual friends and people across the globe that I could have never met, you know, if it wasn't for social media. And I think that spreading education and spreading awareness, whether it's petition or whether it's, you know, the acknowledgement of certain ideals and practices, um, I think it definitely contributes greatly to this movement itself. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we actually, I, I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, that Our Power United, the organization that you have, you know, that has, it's on social media, it has the power to reach all, like you said, people across the globe. Um, how, how did that start? How did that organization start? Yeah, so I founded Our Power United in order to create a place that, a safe place that tackled the systemic social injustices with a holistic approach. So there's multiple aspects and complexities to it. And the way that I tried to structure it was so that people can learn and be educated and help out through different means. And when you're passionate about social justice and things of that nature, it's important to recognize that you individually start within your own communities. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go protest, but you can either fundraise or you can help with a community garden or a community refrigerator or just helping in those kinds of aspects creates a space that promotes the need for social justice on multiple different levels. So we try to do it through means of for example, we have our Flow and Renew events, and that's a weekly Friday event where we have yoga and meditation, and it focuses on our mental health because it's really important that we focus on ourselves and heal and, you know, renew our own selves so that we can come out stronger the next day, but also creating sandwiches for the houseless. So every Saturday morning, we'll have people who go out and pass sandwiches and stuff like masks or tents and clothing to the houseless community. So attempting to do those aspects create the fight for social change on a holistic aspect rather than just, you know, a one-sided avenue. Right. Yeah. And was there was there a moment in your career um, as an activist, you know, was there a moment where you realized hey, mental health is an important part of this. You know, I, this is something that needs to be paid attention to for activists, people that are heavily involved. Um, was there a time when you realized that and that contributed to this idea of, you know, taking time to evaluate your mental health, yoga and things like that? Yeah, so I've always been a really big advocate for mental health. I've always been a part of something that I've done my entire life. But especially in Miami, when I started our Flow and Renew events back in July, I saw that we had been protesting seven days a week for around two or three months at that point. And I was like, we all need a break because none of us were going to take a break, but we all needed it. We all needed to just sit down and heal and do the yoga and do the meditation and, you know, play sports and do the arts and crafts. We needed that space to heal because fighting out on the streets and facing the police every single day some of us have been more than once twice three or four times even and so I realized that we really needed to take a step back 
but I think it wasn't until about a month ago after the 100th day march that I had here in Tampa that's when I realized that I needed to take a step back for my mental health because I hadn't prioritized that which is why I haven't been as active uh on the streets recently but we all need to kind of come to the understanding that our mental health is so much more important because we need to focus on ourselves in order to keep fighting the next day. Absolutely. Yeah, extremely important. And I just, I love how you described your approach to that. Uh, of course, fighting for what we believe and our voice is extremely important, but taking care of ourselves so we're stronger and we can keep going, it's extremely important as well. How has been the community involvement, um, the support you've been receiving from the community, or just how people have been embracing uh, your organization or the initiative? On Through the protests, we've created a family in the community. And I, the people that I you know, marched with every day or the people that got arrested with me on the same day, there is a bond that's just so unbreakable you've been through things that no one else can understand and so creating it just forges a family you see them every day you fight the same fight i bandaged up half their wounds you know so it's this connection that's completely unbreakable and the community support is so just beyond what you could ever hope or dream for and without them i don't think that i could have as far as I am. Oh, that's that's beautiful. And I was gonna ask you, having a strong support system, especially going out there and fighting for what you believe is extremely important, especially when there's people that might not agree with you or counter protest, how do you deal with sometimes that negativity or even the counter protest? I've I've protest and I remember seeing that on the other side of the street they were there um chanting and um fighting for what they believe how do you deal with that negativity that might be a result for raising your voice um, and fighting for your beliefs i always treat everything that comes my way with kindness no matter what it is whether it's positive negative and i think that approach of just recognizing that that person has their beliefs but i'm still going to stand up and fight for what I believe in and I'm going to try and educate. I'm not going to put you down. I'm going to educate you as to why I believe what I believe. And I think that that approach is a bit more effective than either, you know, screaming in some face or, you know, doing those things that seem reactionary. However, approaching it with just kindness and a little bit of patience to try and help others, I think is the key in, you know, dealing with that negativity. Right, definitely a lot of patience. Like you've mentioned, protesting seven days a week for weeks on end. It sounds like you've got a lot of patience in you. So you sound like the patience as an approach to what negativity you get makes sense. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to ask, you know, what has been for you the most impactful moment um, through all of this uh, over the summer or even in the past years? What's the most impactful moment for you? 
but I've never been asked that before. <laughs> um, I feel like one of the most impactful moments was the day that 42 people got arrested in Miami. And I remember I was there and, you know, we have bail support and jail support in Miami or here too but especially there is where I've you know been a bit more active and 42 people getting arrested and everyone else from the community rushing outside of the jail waiting for all of them to come out and I remember we were there for 18 hours I was at night to two in the afternoon the next day and seeing the family and the real community of, you know, about 30 of us sleeping outside of the jail on the concrete floor through the rain. I think that was one of the most impactful moments because I got to see the unity and the strength that comes from the people because we always say we keep us safe. That's a pretty uh, big chant that I've said a lot of all of the protests, but we keep us safe. And the power that comes from behind that is the power of the people being stronger than those in power. When people of the community who were once random strangers come and stand in solidarity with one another to show our support and to show that we have each other, that we're going to keep us safe, that we're going to bandage up your wounds and we're going to pay for your bail and we're going to wait for you with food and water and drink when you come out, I think that shows the strength of the community and that was one of the biggest uh impactful moments wow that's just beautiful seeing this unity and seeing what it can bring like bring people together fighting for what you believe and working towards bringing change to our communities and going around the topic of change the elections are coming up soon and they're saying that this election is one of the most important that we're going to have because it can just shape what our future is going to look like and not only the next four years, but even beyond that. Why do you think it's so important, and especially going around why voting is so important? I think exercising our constitutional right to vote is important. And while I do believe in, you know, complete abolition and because reform just seems so beyond, you know, our gaze right now. Yes, abolition is the end goal, but we need to start small. And, you know, if we don't vote and if we don't vote for Biden, then we are taking, you know, centuries steps back, centuries worth of fight and change and social advocacy. And it's all going backwards. And, you know, while I don't necessarily believe in continuing, you know, into the systemic institutions that are in place that continue to oppress us, I think we should still play the game, but play it better than they do and learn the game so that way we can win. Right. 
And I I love that the way I love the way you speak. You always put it in in terms that are you know. While I may be new to all of these topics, I still understand what you're saying. Um, <laughs> definitely, you're definitely spoken. Um, and you know, in terms of you know elections vary nationwide. Um, I understand a lot of your um, activism has also been in Tampa Bay and also you're a USF student as well. Um, so, you know, what issues do you see need to be addressed specifically in Tampa Bay or at USF? You know, what's that? Ex what's been your experience and, you know, what kind of things do you want to see tackled? I think the, you know, the thing that we're constantly advocating for just need to be more in, more so implemented here and that would be the community coming together you know having more people support and solidarity for one another and I think that we need to start advocating for basic necessities of defunding the police rather than adding that 13 million dollars that the mayor wants to implement to the police department those $13 million can go to our public schools, which if you drive by when the elementary gets out of school, none of them are wearing masks. None of them are doing any of the basic things that we need to be doing. And rather than, you know, taking away $13 million from the community, we should be implementing it into our mental health resources for our members into housing the houseless, into all of these aspects that help to actually decrease the amount of crime rates that we have in the community. And so rather than over-policing, we need to be investing into our communities. And I think that's where we can truly start here. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah, just investing in the community and starting small so the change can reflect across the state and even the country because um, one voice just makes it, it's way louder when it's a group of people just united as we talked about it throughout this podcast. But yeah, that was just a great conversation. Thank you so much, Ala. We're so happy that you were able to join us. Uh, it was an honor talking to you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being here. I really appreciated this conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Rate or like us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at USF Oracle to keep up with the latest USF news. Special thanks to Joaquin Karun for the intro and outro music. See you at the next podcast.